You're listening to Brain Fuzz, the arts, music, and culture podcast with Joe Kamusa and Matthew White. Today, Joe and Matthew join Mike Stasny at his underground Atlanta space that serves as studio, gallery, venue, and more. David Bowie is considered. The DIY aesthetic is explored. The very nature of conversation itself is examined. And this conversation begins with karaoke. For images of the space, and dare we say context, visit BrainFuzz Podcast on Instagram. And now, here are Joe Kamusa and Matthew White, on site with Mike Stasny. What do you think? Could you do life on Mars? Like as in David Bowie? In karaoke, yeah. Ooh, see, David Bowie's tricky. Life on Mars is fucking great song. Um, that lately has been the one on my mind. That's your one? You, I, I'll never be able to achieve yeah. that. God, Life on Mars. That is a great song, but I will say that the covers that were on uh, Life Aquatic for Life on Mars, it made me just recontextualize all of Bowie's stuff. Because I was a Bowie fan, mo- mm-hmm. more an idea than actual songwriting. And like, I liked his lyrics, but the production or something, it didn't interest me as much as the show. And like, the yeah, the persona element. But when I heard that the covers from that I was able to hear the melodies and I'm like they are absolutely beautiful opuses of the human condition well I I just watched I actually it's funny you mentioned that I watched Life Aquatic rewatched recently Mm -hmm. and then I watched Moon Age Daydream and in that I don't know if you've seen this yet but it is fantastic and in it I'm reminded that he would he would describe himself as a generalist he did not say, I am. Dude, talking about Moonage Daydream, for those listeners out there, uh, Moonage Daydream is David Bowie. Uh, kind of documentary-ish thing, mm-hmm. but it's art- artfully done. And again, like I was just like, David Bowie is the creative that I would strive to be or one like him. You don't only get that way, you know, where it's like a curiosity and a passage of time and kind of just a nihilistic joy of the universe. So yeah. like, yeah, nothing fucking matters and everything goes away. But while you're here, yeah. do something and do it insatiably. And he did, and I think that that's pretty fucking cool. He mentions the uh, he he mentions his appreciation of painters. He yeah. was a painter. Yeah, but, he did a lot of painting. But then he says in this that in one of the interviews that's in this is that you know I'll never be that, but I can do this. And I'm not interested in doing that anyway. Right. And I mean, really, a lot of things are just context, right? Like, so he's a rock star, right? So he's a rock star in that context, and it's irrefutable. He's so famous. But it's like, okay, now that he's known as that, it's like maybe in that Basquiat thing. Like, do you want to be a musician who makes art or an artist who makes music? The audience will decide. And because if you're stupidly popular at one thing, people will always associate you with that other thing. Yeah, then you're in a box. Yeah, it, or, you know, and there's some freedom in that. Like, there's, like, for instance, like, I'm not famous at all, but what what is my flagship thing? But that just adds to this interesting trivia about, I guess, myself. So, like, all this weirdness makes sense. If somebody wanted me to write a What What in the Butt song or something, I could do it, and it'd be funny as fuck. But, nah, I shouldn't even, that seems so vain to compare myself, like, like, my most known thing that nobody knows about except for, like, some esoteric area of the internet. I don't know. What, what is he talking about? 
Find links to information referenced, including the viral sensation, What What in the Butt, produced by Mike Stasny, at brainfuzzpodcast.com. Where I'm sitting right now, and Joe, you're going to have to set the table for us, but where I'm sitting right now, this is, to me, a far bigger accomplishment. I think it's a much more authentic display of shit that I'm deeply into, like deeply, like this is me, right? As opposed to working on something with a friend or uh, a conversation with a friend that has an outcome. This is like, yeah, I like working with other people or whatnot, but this is my flag in the ground saying this is me. And you can get in this space like the obsessions that I have like if you go over there you'll see that I have an obsession with representational drawing which a lot of people wouldn't know because you're seeing all this other goofy stuff where there's these uh, skulls or the taxidermy referential things so I think that it just kind of clarifies sections of my brain that I'm obsessing about that I live in Um, so yeah I I, I, yes there's an accomplishment in just sheer output of meanness Output of meanness. In terms of, like, I just keep thinking of to be able to keep your studio open and fluid <laughs> is yeah. tremendous, and, it's, and it certainly suits you, um, you know, to continue to allow work to evolve. You've got music, dance, I mean, how many different, and it doesn't matter whether the work is necessarily complete or not, and I think it takes yeah. tremendous strength and, and vulnerability to do what you're doing but you've you've always done that it sounds like like a polymath you know in terms of attacking it from every different angle and the people you're referencing i mean are forces of nature you're a force of nature yeah. in terms of your personality i've seen I, you light it you know uh, an out, a hot night outside a contemporary you know with a laptop to be able to get people excited thank you for that i think that when people have like a creative thing that they put out there there's a certain expectation that they might want to have that's reciprocal and what I've learned to do as I've gotten older is to kill that kind of expectation and just know that I'm present as an entity like kind of this is what I'm working on whether it be finished or not whether it be broken or not and take it or leave it for right now or later and there's a lot of freeing like if this place I mean I don't want it to be smashed but if it was it was and also when Banksy had the show down there, people were coming in and I had tried to get rid of all my work because I was going to live small and not have big stuff anymore. So I was just putting on pieces just around to fill space and people were buying the busted ones. I'm like, nah, you don't want that shit, but I guess I'm not going to talk you out of it. You know, like, sure, if you want to buy it, that's cool, but it is trash. You realize that, right? Which I think is funny with my... Because this whole thing is kind of an economic experience experiment too. Like, what can I get away with with selling art here and I'm like Oprah like I own it all I don't have a gallerist that gets a percentage or anything so if I know it cost me five bucks to make but maybe an endless amount of work then I'll charge it however I want you know if it's ten bucks and I want it out of here get it out of here um back up and let's like why why are you here now like what's the origin story of this space oh so that might (laughs) Uh, I guess it's kind of a jargony word, but I do creative place development or creative space making, um, which pretty much means I find underutilized spaces and I activate them in a way that has something. 
Um, and usually that's with a developer that has just something that they don't know what they want to turn it into yet, or they don't have the funds to rebuild it or whatnot. This is kind of uh, not necessarily a new thing, but ever since like Wynwood, where they put murals on walls to revitalize busted up, fucked up walls, and then it became something based off of that. Meow Wolf, uh, I guess, as a creative thing, so people want more experiential based things, especially if you're in a now defunct mall. Uh, like, what do you do? You don't put another Nike store because that doesn't matter. Brick and mortar places, mallness is much more challenging than something you have to see uh, in person. Um, so, yeah, knowing how to kind of like navigate what my creative output is and also have dialogues with developers and knowing that I can activate space in an experiential kind of way, then that means if I have objects versus giant inflatables versus weirdo sculptures versus just being here, I'm doing my job, I guess. So uh, I will say, though, specifically Chris Pilcher is a good friend of mine, and he knew uh, the space. He became creative director for a minute, and he knew I was moving out of a space where I was doing a similar thing during COVID. Um, and he's like, do you want to move in here? And I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm kind of done making stuff. And then I saw the space, and I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll give it another go. COVID loosened up, kind of became a quasi-studio venue, whatever I'm in the mood to do space. And you've got some Masquerade, which is fully, masquerade. fully going. Yeah. Um, so this is, like, open-ended until they figure out what to do with this entire... Yeah, you know, like, I, I could never speak on behalf of what I... Like, I, I can never give 100%. That's those gray areas. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm under the impression they're going to double down on the creativity. The thing that interests me is the 2.0 version of this DIY kind of experience, what that looks like. And if I make sense to be here, uh, not only for me emotionally, but for them and whatever kind of thing they're trying to do culturally or financially, then I'll keep going at it. Um, but it's always, you know, retooling. I guess back to Bowie, it's like, Everything's always changing. I'm just thankful for the fact that I've been here for almost two years now, and I get to do. I'm living my 11-year-old dream. Being and you're here every day. Pretty much. I mean, again, like you. I think that anybody, you know, you stay in your creative game long enough, eventually you're going to lose. So I am reconciling with certain emotional. Wait, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So like, I I have to reconcile with like the sheer amount of work I'm doing and yeah. what it's really hard to differentiate pleasure and pain anymore in here or inspiration it's more just like doing and not doing and that part is kind of hard so just doing just to do without any joy is depressing um, so I'm trying to find out ways that I can give myself some breathing room here mm -hmm. uh, my lady friend and I have reset days now. Like, I still do programming sometimes on Sundays, uh, but we make a thing to keep Mondays off. You know, I'm there is something to say, keep the Sabbath holy, have a yeah, day of rest. Yeah, you definitely have to take time off. And yeah. I think, you know. Which, you know, in your head, you think, fuck it, no, I'm just going to keep going, but that's not good for you. Your brain's still working. Yeah. I mean, it works sometimes, or if you've got deadlines, but I think, um, you know, you have to be true to yourself, and sometimes, I mean, there are a lot of people that can make for X amount of days a year and then the rest of their off and like you said I think any kind of creative person is always working filtering you know feeding but um, but I would think you know like this 
hearing you talk about like how much music you were making, I mean, this is a similar type thing. Like, so how do you ward off burnout? Yeah, that's. This is gonna not. Wow, we're getting into some weird, controversial territory. But one of my uh, professors once watched me working during my thesis, and, she, and he said, "Your work is masturbatory." Which I there's a subtle insult there, like as in it's like constantly whacking off. Um, and he was right in a way, and I kind of romanticized that. Like, what is, what's the goal? It's just like to constantly get that feel good, feel good, feel good, feel good. Um, and maybe that is actually manifested in what would one call a state of flow, or to kind of lose yourself and not be conscious, to step in and out of that, where you're working, 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 step out, look at what you've done. Um, I think your professor could have been more articulate. Yeah, well, I thought it was cool because it sounded kind of punk rock. Yeah, fuck, my shit's masturbatory. But now I'm thinking like, oh, weird. I think there's more to it than just whacking off. Um, God, I, it just that feels wrong to be saying. Well, the fact that you're still, whether it's you know, music, visual art, sculpture, whatever you want to call it, um, you, the commitment of you know, and and I think it's amazing that you're not worried about whether you're calling it art or whether it's finished like you're you're still like obviously you can see a mind when you say to describe this space like I see it like a mind at work but you're using this whole space mm-hmm. like you know I, I am a I am not a curator and I when I look at shows that are well curated you can see someone is using that entire room all the different artists and I'm like I think you're doing a similar thing here uh, very well you know but I mean it's that's what I was asking about burnout. Like, how do you, there are times when you just want to come in here and just like sh- turn everything around and like it's not overload? Yeah, I guess or that, you're, you that's know. the thing, burnout. Sorry, because I like where I was going to go with that metaphor is obviously if you're doing things masturbatory very intensely, you're going to have to reload, you know, f- to continue that analogy. So, yeah, like there is definitely, I won't stop until like I almost have. And that is, I question its healthiness, but um, I'm trying to put in those safeguards. Like, How would it be unhealthy? To just work until you... Like, if you obsess to the point that it creates so much mental pain that you get into, like, a vortex of self-hating fuck it. Or you have no life. Or you have no life. But, I mean, I think, like, a lot of, especially, you know, musicians are coming to mind... I think a lot of them, just the very successful ones, the only way they can shut it off is just by be, becoming complete control freaks and workaholics. And yeah. yet, outside of that, they get yeah. off the get off the bus after, the, and they're a wreck. Yeah, and, right. You know, and that's one of those things where I'm like, and we idolize it. We we, you know, at every creative publication or, or documentary, we we eat it up, and it's like, but it actually is not the way to go. I think you're right in terms of quality of life quality of life because at the end of it we are people right that require people stuff yeah and there's this odd thing that maybe it started in the 80s 90s maybe it's america i don't know where it's just like no work harder become stronger work harder become stronger and you realize that that isn't really a fulfilling life um yeah because it's like I don't really understand what it's like to eat in France versus America, but in America, it's like it's bigger is valued, like being stuffed is valued over a tasty morsel. 
And I think Americans could use a little bit more tasty morselness rather than just yeah. like look at the sheer amount of French fries here. You know, like, so I do wish that <laughs> I've used this metaphor recently a lot. Like, rather than my creative practice thinking throwing more gunpowder behind the bullet was the way to go, finding a way to make the bullet more aerodynamic. So like, how do you, what is the purpose of life? Feel joy, connect with people, spread that on. Not just do, 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 do. And so I guess I'm just kind of trying to figure that out as an older, more mature person, because I don't really want to be big or famous or get anything that's got certain accolades. I just want to keep on doing the work, but I want it to be fulfilling with other people. So comes with age that's, yeah that's wisdom is what that is yeah exactly it's shaving the shit that's exactly it so knowledge is the acquisition of information wisdom is getting rid of it to the important stuff so shaving it down well you've obviously figured that people are extremely important to the practice mm -hmm. and, um, and, but I'm sure that's got to come to a point where like you said that's good that you're taking like a Monday off I mean, you are definitely a people person. That is correct. But there's only so much before you could be like, okay, I am... There has to be a price, though. I don't care who you are. Oh, yeah, yeah completely. Like, I'm like, I don't even know what it's like for somebody that's, like, so fucking famous that they have no anonymity anywhere, and people are constantly... They've become public property, and when you have a space like this with people regularly coming in, when they see my position, I am a small version of public property. Like, they can talk to me, and the question, like, so you're an artist, well, what's this all about? If there's anything, I would rather have my teeth fucking pulled out of my face. Like, when, like when I hear that question, I'm like, I'm looking for a genuine conversation. Like, what we're having here, I think, is a genuine conversation, but the amount of hollow mindless yeah, conversations be, is but you're putting yourself you know at risk with that you know but and it, again that's why i'm saying it's generous to like you know have like an open door and some of those conversations i'm sure can be um very affirming or you'll feel great afterwards in terms right. of like we were talking about off mic earlier mm -hmm. um you know versus the folks that are just looking to like what can they get from you to step yeah. over and you know how oh, do i do this so yeah that there's those, there's know. almost different breeds of conversation right my favorite conversations are when i'm having what I guess it's abstract but an authentic real conversation like getting down to whatever the person is into and whatever I'm into and we have an exchange and usually that comes not from any kind of art people but like I've met oddly enough I don't know if it's because of conferences or whatnot but like some neuroscientists come in here yes. and they geek out about their neuroscience shit and I geek out about my art stuff and it's mutually beneficial um, then there's these weird sycophanty assholes who like are obviously talking to me about wanting a show or thinking that I have something that they're trying to take from me and that is so painfully obvious when they're doing it that it rips my guts out like I'll be on the top of a ladder and somebody might wander in and be like how do I get a show in here or something yeah. and they won't even pretend oh. yeah. to be nice or yeah. like and I, my first thing that I say is just like I don't know, look around and see if what your work fits and then maybe we start a relationship. Don't just go up to somebody at a bar and say, hey, you want to screw? That's not this kind of place and I'm not that kind of person. So, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, so on one hand, you've cultivated that, mm -hmm. the, um, that, that persona or that image where people think that they can have that kind of exchange. Right. But, and I don't know how you could have avoided it. 
really you're right. to get what I you mean, want to achieve. That is the thing. Like when you think about your personality as like a brand or what it says to people or your work, what it says to people. Like obviously this isn't like a museum gallery space. It's a warehouse that's full of my stuff creatively, sure. But it's not like – it doesn't say don't fuck with me. It says fuck with me. And it says, hey, please smash this on the floor or something. And some people might respect the, the recklessness that it, it is, but it's also a very cured man. Like, I care about that recklessness and how it's presented. So it's odd. It's like I'm saying respect the fact that I disrespect this space in a way. Mm-hmm. But that's just the story. It's not the reality. The reality yeah. is I care so deeply about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is some heavy shit, man. Well, Fight back those tears, baby. Yeah, there's a part. I mean, because like you know, it's funny. And, and our our origin story. I yeah. Think the first time I ever met you, literally, I was walking up the stairs to my studio at Contemporary, and you were coming down the stairs mm-hmm. uh, from next door. And uh, and I'm a you know, walk in, close the door, lock it, and work all day <laughs> by myself. You know, yeah. so I and but I and yet hungering for human interaction, which again mm-hmm. was kind of the the. Uh, origin of this podcast mainly it was for us just to get out and have these types of conversations uh, forced versus like normally it would just happen you know at a bar or whatever and you're not recording Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just just an interesting slope though I think we're all on like you know you need people but you need like quote good people and and I think we're all like we all want sometimes what we can't have I mean you know and then draining people are there everywhere and everyone has to kind of the folks that are just trying to scam. Well, that's the thing. I guess this puts it like I like in the junkyard of human beings. It's fun to explore through and find those cool couple of things that are really cool in the junk. And I'm sure I could go to more manicured places like maybe Atlanta Contemporary, right? Where I met y'all or have a relationship with y'all. Like there, it's like the people because of what the space suggests are already curated for a conversation that I would I suppose be into um (laughs) this is so weird because I like being in the junk I like exploring and excavating from every single human being but I will say what collaborates well with my emotional needs and I is better some other place <laughs> sometimes than even in my own studio. I don't know. Wait, what do you mean? So this is where you it, have better where there's better sense of boundaries, you mean? I, I'm not sure how we veered to this, but like the brand of person I am sometimes needs to reconcile with you know, like I'm I'm in the shit, right? Like I'm around a lot, a lot of people. So I see every single type of person or a large abundance of people that aren't necessarily curated. So I have to sift through all that to find the quality stuff. And when I go to certain other areas, I don't have to. It's like, oh, you two, I met at the Atlantic Contemporary. I like this conversation. Wow, it's already cleaned off. It's like, I don't have to go to the vintage, like, I don't have to go to the Value Village. Somebody already curated it and now it's a nice high-end boutique resale store. Or is it just that it's kind of neutral ground, whereas this is this is your, you know, like, this is more than your studio. I mean, this is kind of yeah. like your, your brain. <laughs> yeah, you know? no, I think you're right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think that's got to be tough, because you're like, yeah, like, yeah I'm, you know, and to be that, this open and sharing, um, 
you know, that's that's that says a lot about your personality. But I mean, obviously, there's got to be points where like sometimes people must push the you know the yeah. buttons. I mean, you're human. I mean, right? I could. I, there's no way I could ever do something. You know, I can open my studio every now and then, but like the minute people start touching shit or like pulling it, I'm like, whoa! Yeah. You know, and, and yes, I am uptight. Well, so just walking in yeah. today, okay, we experienced, I mean, we had two great conversations, two interesting mm-hmm. people. I don't know if you knew this, but one of the guys had just done chest compressions on a guy. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. He, he, was Steven. OD, he was ODing not far from yeah. here. And uh, he saw the situation. They called 911. He's doing chest compression. So I had that conversation with oh, him. Oh, wow. I did. Yeah. And and he said, I, we had already been talking about cultural stuff. And then he said, oh, I'm a little shaky right now because I just, and I'm like, huh? Yeah. So then the doors open right here. We have people, I, you knew one of them, but not, I guess, the party that they brought in, mm-hmm. the people that came with, they walk in. And so that kind of, it, that's the flow here. That is yeah because because of location location open doorness yeah this isn't so we are what's the correct how do you define that where are we uh we are at underground atlanta which anybody that has a history with atlanta kind of knows what it is um Going way, way back, this was kind of the center of decadence and debauchery because this was terminus. This was a, a city where all the trains people would yeah. kind of stop and have their night of let's get wasted and uh, find some sort of version of prostitution or whatever. Uh, but it kept on building out from that where it has now had a moment gone away, had a moment gone away, and those had a moments were when it was a fully functioning um mall so that has gone away and now it's back up to like what do we do with all this real estate and that's why these diy spaces are here until i guess more yeah i always just call it like the 2.0 version whatever that is but like knowing that this is the this is the moment where this neighborhood is having and it's really hard to change so there are a couple spaces around now yes like mammal was around the corner correct for a long time but it, yeah it's it's interesting that you know how the arts always seem to have a role in that change it's the ugly g word do you get that a lot do you have people oh, gentrify yeah so Does gentrify that... yeah i get it all the time but i've learned to sleep at night with it gentrify well, amusingly this could just be sitting oh empty, totally you know yeah so, so gentrify you know gentrification is an interesting thing um if you do deep enough dives into um, the synonyms of it, you get to more polite, which I think is funny and how evil it is. Like, oh, we're going to make this place more polite. Um, I've also joked that uh, the artists are like Silver Surfer before Galactus comes in and eats the planet. <laughs> um, but when it comes to developers and money, um, there's a lot of people that are developers with money that are doing much, much worse things than allowing artists in some sort of authentic capacity to just be themselves while that happens. So I like the fragility of it and seeing it transform. As far as am I pushing forward something evil, I don't know. I just know that I'm functioning and hopefully able to, while I'm here, make this space 
free for ideas and because when it comes to where I'm going um, I'm gonna find another place to have a creative output right well, and then this place will be something else it'll be maybe condos or something like that and it sucks when there's certain people that are priced out of that economically or they're hurt in some sort of way, but because this is just a falling apart gigantic mall, we're utilizing it for the community that's presently here. What it evolves to next, I, I'm yeah, not really not sure. Yeah, it's not your, like, yeah. you're also not expecting for the, you know, the name to be on the door forever. Oh you're, yeah. You're, you know, the fact that this is a living, breathing, and it's, it's, it's here today, probably will be here tomorrow, but you're not, not saying you're not serious, but it's, it seems like you're, you're also looking, you're waiting for the next iteration. Cause I sense that after a while, this will run its course. Well, yeah. Just, it just yeah. creatively and you're going to be wanting to do. Who right. Knows. And I mean, really when it gets to a bigger thing, like the existential truth is like one in three people die of a debilitating thing where they die handicapped or something. I could have a stroke tomorrow and I've got to be ready for that, you know? So if this space Ooh. is gone tomorrow, like, you know, really, uh, all the cliches, like, live in the moment kind of shit. But, like, I get to be here now, and I'm thankful for that, even though I was talking all exhaustively about, like, how much work it is being around people and running a venue and blah, blah, blah. This is special, and it's awesome thing. Like, well, all, all of this speaks, though, to the, what we were discussing earlier, and that's the temporary nature of things and work. And I brought that up about the kind of the traffic in here mm -hmm. because on one hand it is a display space uh, uh, or exhibition space and, but at the same time it is it is an inner sanctum it may be your brain um, where here do you work oh everywhere everywhere like, and also what you're seeing like even from the chairs that I pulled up to uh -huh. sit down on these change every single show so, like, the work, these tapestries can go down tomorrow. I mean, granted, this is pretty much set up for what tomorrow is going to be, but that screen, they wanted it on this, on its side. So I was like, I can fuck with that. Um, and So it's very intimate in that regard. Yeah. Because this is, you, the act of creation happens. This is Everywhere, yeah. yeah. And, you know, even when, like, I say I'm, like, selling refreshments or something like that, I'm drawing if it's slow. So, like, that becomes my studio. Yeah. you know right in front of me yeah um and it's the same thing as if i'm working on a giant inflatable or one of my giant like creature sculptures like i've got room to do that so i'm gonna fill that canvas and yeah like that's another thing that's re really great is just to be able to pursue ideas and try to find the flow um yeah. in this this court the sound above us is like one of your sculptures came to life and is stirring across <laughs> the... That's what that brings. Do you hear that often? Uh, no, because it's usually never this quiet in here. I usually have the speakers going and stuff, but out of respect for my guests, you two. <laughs> well, I even I, turned off the fans. I love all of that. Yeah. But also the, you know, the uh, realities of recording. It's a lot to absorb. And, and on one hand, you want to like put this in a box and give it a label. But I, I really want to avoid that. Do you ref, how do you do you refer to it? How do you refer to it? Hey, come by my. What do you say? I mean, I 
think that there's certain things that are kind of amusing. The sense of humor kind of speaks for itself. It's yeah. called Mom Said It's Fine. Yeah. My sign outside the door says uh -huh. Mike Stasny sells the products you need. Yep. Like there's a certain kind of blatant disregard with, yeah, this is a place to buy stuff if you want to. You know, it, it's so if you're interested in just having some sort of experience, good or bad, you know, there doesn't really necessarily exist. It's just here. Like if you want to have a visual conversation with what's going on around you, by all means, um, it's kind of like the Borg. If anybody wants to have their show here or something, they have to reconcile with the fact that they're surrounded by me yeah. in my space. And if that seems interesting, it becomes a, a collaboration by nature. Well, that was my next question, is I see the variety and the diversity, the diverse acts that perform here. Yeah. This is not just music. We're oh, it's about it's dance. all We're over the board. About. We've had fashion shows, contemporary dance tomorrow, um, metal shows, hip hop shows, um, ciphers, dinner parties. So, like, really, hmm. Yeah, it's all, all about like who's going to invite me to the party, and this in the case is who wants to have a party here. Like, there's a personality there. Let's see what they have to say. Some people might not be like, ah, no, nah, I don't really, I'm going to avoid Mike. I don't really want to be pummeled <laughs> by his conversation here. Yeah. Or I'm going to avoid that venue, but, you know, I'll say hi. So, I mean, that's, it's really cool to be shamelessly myself. Yeah. And still people want to have some sort of dialogue. So that's what this space is. It's a shameless display of what I'm, geeking out about for a time um, and then it goes away I guess and do you do you see that as collaboration when these acts are coming through yeah you could throw any kind of word in there collaboration is in a certain context yeah, yeah it's a collaboration it's a conversation it's uh, me and something else happening simultaneously for a temporary time because they're needing to adjust the room in certain ways right. what's in the room and, you know, some are fucking bangers where we all capture the moment and cut, touch God's toes and some are travesties. <laughs> but both of those are kind of fun, right? And it, it makes you, again, like, <laughs> reconcile with, like, okay, tonight was what it was. And how do you cope with that? Just like every day, the weather changes. So I mean, that's a very successful attitude to have towards just, you know, living, let alone creativity. Than one like that I I struggle with like when I you know like if you ever go see a bit like just think of the best shows you've ever seen you know and you think about the reality of the band on the road <clears throat> excuse me I'm getting weepy um, you know and there are nights where it's a complete train wreck or they play horrible covers or this or yeah. that and like I've always been in awe of the personalities that can exist in that yeah. knowing that but yeah. to get to the the top of the mountain yeah. or whatever metaphor we want to use you've got to be able to risk. It's just it's interesting. So it's inspiring to yeah. hear you talk like that. To capture the moment while it's there, and then when it's not, to not don't take it, it too seriously. To not let it crush you, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, both those things, especially in my 20s, it was dumb painful. Like, you know, like, nothing... Like, I had an insatiable appetite for ca capturing that moment, and you realize that it's not... It's more a portfolio than every individual piece being life-changing or something. 
So just keep making and push through it. And if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Just keep going, you know. And I think that that relieves a lot of the pressure. Because I'm curious, like Michael Jordan, right? Like he was the guy you threw the ball to when there's two seconds left. Because regardless, he wouldn't let he wouldn't be psyched out. And I think that's the coolest way to be, to not be psyched out by whatever you're doing. And that's my MO is to be a creative in an art space. And I'm regularly trying not to be psyched out because that's debilitating. <laughs> the alternative is to do nothing. Yeah, yeah. To be able to accept whatever the outcome is. Oh, again, to go back to some kind of Buddhist thing here, the, uh, <laughs> it's non-attachment with the result. Yeah. And, and we're so attached to the result, uh, typically. Yeah. As, as humans. And I think that I don't believe I was loosely related, um, raised Catholic. Okay. So that comes with the Catholicness. But temptation, I've found, is trusting fame or money or abundance of like sex or food. So, like, thinking that those things are delivering or what you're going to expect is temptation fucking with you because if you go down any of those insatiable holes you're done because there is always never enough infinity is forever um so you just gotta do something so when we use this term diy yeah academic on here for a second (laughs) the uh what does that mean now to you that is interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a certain kind of rough aesthetic to it. Yeah. There's obviously something creative going on that's not refined for a museum or gallery space. Um, and there's more a all-inclusive community element, whereas in a lot of the galleries and museum spaces, which I frequented before, there's an exclusivity that is written into the DNA of it. And that's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So like John Waters said, like, what is... The art world is exclusiveness. It means you can't get there. It's the cool kids club of culture. And DIY means, fuck it, I just want to be creative in a space with other people that might be interested in it. Or at least that's my paraphrasing of it. Um, So, because you know that, like, the DIY scene here is, like, it's not necessarily that there's anybody that's a specialist about anything. It's like, there's some bands. They might not be the best musicians but there's bands here there might be some art which is obviously my stuff and it might not be the best gallery ready or museum representation would I put this stuff in a gallery not like this not like you know it'd be a different framework it's a context so (laughs) it's like uh, student union chic dorm room chic coffee shop chic but again I'm being self deprecating in a way that is funny I think <laughs> do you think these things are mute do they have to be exclusive I mean you have to know your context right like if you go to a tuxedo dress code party and you're wearing flip flops and a flannel that's a statement right but if you're going to the beach and you're wearing a tuxedo that's the same thing so the context here is how do I as a creative feel most comfortable and have the, the most uh, return on investment and this is it Um, I would like to be in museums or something that area because I think that a clean, beautiful, respectful kind of uh, ivory tower-esque display of art is rad. That means 
in some metrics of my brain, you've made it, or you, yeah, yeah. you know, you're important, or somebody feels that your story is worth telling. But that's all just framing. Um, and also to get to that point and the weird pyramid schemey kind of stuff, or who you know, I just don't like that. Yeah. And this is what I like. I like, again, naturally, not what I think I want to be, but what I actually am. And just try and do a little better at what I actually am. But if, we, we talked about it on the front end, you know, and it's like, unfortunately, that the, the irony of the art world, seemingly, um, you have a hard, harder time with this much output instead of, like, we want 10 of and I'm pointing to this sculpture right. here, like, we want that. Because I think most people can't take in. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of one of those things. I think that's great that you're just, like, deciding to, in the true spirit of do it yourself is to step right on and over that gatekeeping kind of system yeah because you know a true a true artist you know should work with in any medium or you know maybe one day they're you know bailing hay or making a cake i don't know there's artistry but uh and yet the art world wants you know seemingly you know make your sculpture make your make your painting your drawing or whatever the hell it is and don't get out of that lane yeah, and, and it's kind of small, small thinking. I mean, uh, granted, not every person needs to be that polymath, but like you, well, you clearly, capital's on the line usually. Right, and I think that there's. I need to be able to. I need to be able to predict what's gonna. Yeah, because somebody somewhere else is maybe getting some sort of return on maybe editing you down, whether that be an agent or like a gallerist or something so connecting it to an audience that they get something out of it as well um, but then there's also like direct to the people consuming it element like that I like that I do like directly working with anybody like oh sure I mean and, and most people like you know we've all had to uh, you know play uh, in our own spaces do our own openings Right. You know, like it's like being in a band. You got to build your own audience, and it's great when you know you have a show at a gallery or a museum or whatever. But um, you know, it's like you're saying. I think the best things are the conversations you have usually that are not scripted or forced, and in a space like this, because like it, it's like it's it's real, and there's usually an exchange instead of like, so tell me about your work. Tell me about yeah. what did you study? <laughs> and I mean, it, we know. haven't even gotten into because class and economy and stuff like that functions kind of differently here. This is what I call an hour of your time gallery. So basically the way that I work it is I charge for time, but not at my rate, the person buying it. So for instance, if something costs a day, like it takes me a day to work, um, so I do the representational drawing the way that that purchasing works, the lowest I've received is $60 plus all I could drink from a bartender, and $1,200 from a trial lawyer, right? Because it's a day of my very committed time at something I'm specialized for, right? You can argue a lot of like different like uh, skilled labor or whatnot, but if you want something directly from me, I'm the most skilled at that. So you, this is as skilled as it gets if you want a drawing from me. Um, not that I'm saying it's the best drawing or anything, but if you want a piece of art from me, what does that mean? In a context of day labor. So part of my egalitarian approach is like thinking about how to price everything and interact with everything so that they feel loved when they leave buying it and I feel loved receiving it. So like shirts, for instance, they go for one hour of their financial time. 
whatever that may be. It gets kind of abstract because some people don't have jobs or they're students and in debt or they're independently wealthy, but it puts into context how we negotiate everything, especially like so the lowest I've received on a shirt, which is one hour, is 15 and the highest is 250 from a very well-to-do person that was like, oh, I'm, I can get down with that because it's one hour of their financial time. So you think like, you, I, I like to talk to people even just with the transaction, how that can be, not a performance piece because that seems very pretentious. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, so like a context of something. So if this was in a, if this was in a white walled kind of gallery space, these pieces would be psychologically perceived at a different price point than they are in a DIY looking space. Yeah. Um, and well, I, mean, I can do that here. I don't have to. Doesn't it show that? I mean, every single thing is marketing. Yeah. Period. I mean, and, and we all want to fight it. It's like, damn it. It's <laughs> branding. It's, it's all the things yeah. we, we all kind of turn our noses up at. But Now, how does that go? Okay, I'm going to get straight up capitalist on you now. Please. How does that go when you get into the uh, negotiation on on a piece, and then there's like uh, some discussion about okay, how uh, how do we figure that? Yeah. Because we're talking about barriers to purchase here. Somebody, it's interesting because all over the board, you know, you meet people that are like tickled by the idea. That's yeah. the best, okay. and they're like, that is awesome. And, want and I'm like, on. that's why yeah. I do it because that shit is awesome, yes. right? Some people are intimidated because I'll say it really fast, and obviously I've said it a million times, um, that is the purchasing method. Um, and they're like, no, just give me a price. And they're like tired of listening to me. So, but my, my other favorite thing other than people that are tickled by it is when they give me some sort of weird number. Like they'll be like, uh, for a shirt for instance, oh, 95, and I'll be like, wow, $95 an hour. And then I can ask, what do you do? And there's something disarming about that transaction that gets really deep into talking about them, how much money they make, which is a very uh, social faux pas. Right. It's like saying, hey, when did you lose your virginity and where? Like, but I can ask, hey, how much money do you make and what do you do? And I get to have that conversation with them so then I can talk to those neuroscientists or mm -hmm. anesthesiologists or trial lawyers or whatever and be like, wow, that's interesting. And some people have the fucking weirdest jobs. There's this one chick, she was like, she did say something like 95 an hour. I was like, what do you do? She's like, porn. And I was like, oh, okay. So now we're going to be talking about that because I wouldn't know that that person works in porn and I didn't know that 95 an hour is what she got paid. Uh, that's a new one for me. So, I don't know. I didn't know the, I didn't know the wage scale on that. I don't know either. And what part of the country, too? Because yeah, well, that, that's the thing. And, and the West Coast would be yeah, something different. I'd imagine like a day rate, or also you are the talent, right? right. So yeah. like Brad Pitt in the porn would be paid much different than somebody else, you know? Oh, that is fascinating. Wow. But I wonder how far you would want to go with that, and then how far the buyer would want to go, because again. I totally see the attraction yeah. on both sides because the buyer wants to play along with this. And the thing is, is too, I don't know what they're telling me the truth or not. Yeah. And so, like, I know that some people really like to flex. We are in Atlanta, so you get a lot of people like music yeah. producers. There was a music producer that came in here, and I didn't know he was big. I looked at his Instagram afterwards, and I'm like, oh, shit, this person's famous. And so I told him the rate, and he might have just been flexing because there was a pretty lady around. 
So yeah. he might have been like, oh, that shit's 800. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not what I would have accepted. I would have expected 50 bucks for that shit. But okay, flex. I don't care. Because it helps me. But that whole starting the conversation about what means, what money means to us in this very real transaction is interesting to me. So it's like we are having, we are playing with money. Yeah. Real life, effectual money. So much. You've got so much going on there. Yeah. In that, tra- in that uh, transaction. Find out more about Mike Stasny on Instagram at extremely underscore Michael. And for events, at Mom Said It's Fine. You can also visit MikeStasny.com. <laughs> like, do you? So, when we say "mom said it's fine," yes, uh, and I and I've seen some work in the, and it is. It's interesting how you have this organized. Is it always organized this way? No, in terms of uh, group grouping of works, let's say. Mm, no, it's it changes so drastically so quick. Okay, um, it's the same visual vernacular. That's yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, as far as where things go, who has a show doing what, who do I trust if they move things around? There's this really uh, great yeah. dance group called uh, Dance, as in like, you know, house music at night. Uh, Dimensions of Being, I implicitly trust their aesthetic judgment, spatially thinking. So when I open the doors, I'm like, yeah, move anything around because really? it's going to be better and it's going to be different than the last time you did it. And then it'll stay like that for a little bit and then maybe I'll have a hardcore show where people do uh, picking up change and slam dancing so I'll make sure that there's certain things that I don't mind if something gets knocked around here but I don't want anybody to hurt themselves Yeah. so I'll make sure I like the boxes right there I've actually put over nails on the wall so that if somebody gets their head smashed into it they don't taste a nail uh, but those are all aesthetic choices based off of a uh, a, a actual physical need for who's going to be there. Because when I walked through earlier, I was thinking in terms of like bodies of work. Yeah, one thing, like I do like seeing things in it, as a species. So it okay. seems to reinforce the individual if you see it in a community. Okay. So like visual stuff, like if you see all those together, it makes more sense than just to see one. It, yeah. it seems to grab more power yeah. in sure. a way. Yeah. Um, so... You know, maybe that's something too aesthetically that I like from Warhol uh, or, uh, you know, like the a mass produced kind of look like when you see a, a lot of things in a space, it becomes something where you can look at the individual piece that you might like that's slightly different than the others, but no, it's reinforced that others exist. Compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is the, what is the word that you can't stand from art speak? Because we texted a little bit about this. We did. What do you... All right, what are, all right, first of all, what yeah. is one you just can't stand? Okay, uh, you texted it to me, so I didn't want to poo-poo you using the word. It's juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. Juxtaposition, the reason why I hate the word, it's a great <laughs> word. It's a beautiful, beautiful word, what it means. But it is a very academic art school word that okay. you find that gives you tingles in a critique, and then you hear it for four years fucking straight, and then probably then some of you go into graduate. So, juxtaposition is the word that I've retired okay. because anybody that also uses it, I'm like, ah, somebody knows somebody in art school. Oh, boy. And then I'm like, okay, that's your calling card. You're going to throw the word juxtaposition around. So, what is the one word then, because I've run into this lately, what is the word then that you don't want to like, but you know it's useful? <sighs> oh, man. 
sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of those because when you write proposals, mm -hmm. you have to put those words in there. Um, conflate's a pretty good word that sometimes I overuse. Uh, but like, inform. Inform, yeah, inform. In, in conversation with dialogue. Dialogue, and like that's the thing. Like those words do help to show that there's some sort of friendly interaction going on between perhaps two unlike things. Um, words I'm going to have to pull out some of my proposals yeah, and be like, I don't like that word. How do you get around juxtaposition, though? Because like, there's times when like I don't want to use it, and then I'm just like, so these two things that are in opposition, to, you yeah. know, like... <laughs> and that's the thing, like, in that, like, again, in conversation with or something like that, because... Like, juxtaposition seems like such a snooty word that's so overused in a snooty kind of space. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not shitting no, on you. Uh, no, my. Yeah, but it's like art practice. It would piss my dad off if I said the word juxtaposition. That's why I don't. Use oh it. no, I'm kidding. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, like my working class ethos won't allow me to say no, that around my dad. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's great. Well, I'm no, kidding. No, that's I mean, good. this 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 entire podcast has always had like the one of the basic pillars is is uh, you know art speak and or coded language. But on some level, like there's times that where you just can't get around. Yeah. For lack of a better Words vocabulary, but yeah. in terms of just being able to try to discuss things, but um, but there are a lot of words. Yeah, that I'd like to retire. I mean, I, I think too, like with uh, what's his name, air guitar, David Hinky. Yeah, Dave Hinky, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I liked about him is that he just kind of talked to you like a real dude about weird shit, and because art is weird shit, right? But if you talk about it in a real kind of way, that's the artist statements I really like, or a way an artist presents themselves, because it's like it's already complicated. You don't have to double it up yeah. with yeah. language, and there's certain magazines out here and blogs out here that they want to just like double down on the pretension and I'm not down with that because art inherently is pretentious it's elitist so how do you talk about it as if you're reviewing a movie you like or something um, and that's what I think is kind of lost so yeah. uh, by contrast I also believe that people should study and speak about Michael Jackson in a very complicated way so like you should take the things that are digestible and overanalyze and use all that heady talk and then really heady kind of concepts you should explain cleanly, concisely, neatly, and for the masses. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So, watch out, juxtaposition. <laughs> I was just thinking, what, what, word, what, what art speak term could I use just to throw right in the middle of that? Yeah. But, um... Sorry, and I'm hanging on. I'm putting all my cards in for just that one. <laughs> Synergy bothers me too because every oh yeah, and That's I, such I don't a 90s business it term. Is a bit, Sy from a bit, yeah, Synergy sure. bothers me, but also here's another one, and it's because of its overuse. Just like you have like a coffee shop in every town that's maybe called Fuel or something, and you might have felt like, oh, that's cool. Uh, art groups <laughs> using <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. Honestly, take that shit out. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, come on, guys. Like, every fucking art place somewhere is like, what should we call it? Well, Synergy, no, that's not the f I don't know. How about Center Logistics. Logistics. 
that, well, that, that, that term to me is problematic because of the historical context of that word. So it does mm-hmm. seem like somebody it just, I don't know, are they recycling or are they just reaching for a term mm-hmm. because they need one and that sounds smart? Yeah, I mean, it definitely has a You're bringing the vocal fry today. Oh, I think it's more mine. See? Oh, yeah, vocal f- I'm still confused by what I, Doesn't it mean like this? Like, no, isn't that no, like the no, most like vocal fry? Like this, and you like that. Oh, it almost oh, like gets a into a song? Yeah, glick. It almost has a glick uh, sound to it because it starts up high. You know, that's vocal fry. Hmm. And I, you told me not to even say that term because we were going to be in trouble. I don't recall saying that. <laughs> I've probably said it a hundred times. And, and, and on episode whatever it is that uh, Professor Craig Drennan, I think I was called to the carpet. Uh-oh. Do they have carpet? With, with pronunciation. Linoleum. Called on the linoleum. <laughs> Called on the linoleum. That was a that was a unpolished concrete floor just like this one in another hardened space here in Atlanta. Shit, now I feel real bad that I said Okay. Yeah, bleep it. <laughs> yes. But I, I want it to be known, though, what's in a name, right? Like, I remember I used to hate TV on the radio. I hated that fucking band name. I was like, by principle, I'm not going to listen to them. Oh. When I listen to them on TV and the radio is the shit. Oh, so good. They're so fucking good. So it's what one brings to the table, but when certain names are used, it just seems so riddled with, yeah, obviously that's the name of an art place. You know, obviously juxtaposition and juxtaposition is the name of an art magazine. Obviously. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, could have used something else <clears throat> and then just delivered the product, not put a flag up first. And you've got to combine synergy and juxtapose somehow. There's like got to be a way to do that. Here's the thing. Do you know what a portmanteau is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is my favorite of the neologism. Combining two words together like catitude. Cat and attitude. Oh, so great. I'm wondering if there's a portmanteau of juxtaposition and synergy. For the person to cobble that together, I know exactly. I've got two names I could go to. I'd probably have you something else. Good, good. Yeah, I'll work on that. Is that. We can just do that with AI, though, right? I refuse to. Okay. <laughs> he likes to work with his hands. I just, I, I'm waiting. I mean, it's not going away, but it's one of those where, like, especially like art magazines, I feel like are being extremely, like, just huh? let's talk about existing art instead of all this theoretical. And, 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 and he, you know, we're at odds on that one. He, he loves it. You love the new, and I'm just like, I mean, I think it's, that, it's know, fad right now. It's like, yeah. damn no, it! I man. don't automatically embrace it. I'm not an early adopter. You but are an early adopter. I just you I, love the new. I enjoy exploring it, learning about it, and typically what happens is it falls to the wayside because there's always something else, and just you know, what's important will rise and will last. And you're you're talking about just AI, like oh no, just Whatever the whatever the trend is, oh, and, right. you know how that goes. Like soy milk. Yeah, because oat milk. Well, because there's, <laughs> I, I did find that there's a fine tune. Oh yeah, there's a fine tuned thing between fad and trend, right? So a fad moves into trend, like it's like okay, well, style well, versus canon or something. Like you have a style, but then it can become a canon of a style. So like there's fads, but the fad sticks around or has enough to root itself and then it becomes a trend. 
Okay. Right? I think you're probably right about that. Because fat is very disposable. But trend is like a stretched out fad. Like it stuck around enough to become a thing. That's good. Yeah. Got a nice branding shop going here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you gonna yeah, are you gonna expand maybe into uh, branding? Yeah. I did go to school for graphic design, so like there's an element of yeah, brand and like cause if you if you can frame something, it makes sense. Like seeing something on a printed page well designed makes sense of, of like any shit art. Like you could actually put anything I believe in that because I was trained to do it. I like to have fun with this one because I just think it's it's ridiculous that there's so much baggage. Like I think every student in an art school should have to be proficient in graphic design because like we were talking again earlier about just like the business of the business, yeah, of art. And you were saying you got out of art school like to, you know don't know how to sell something, don't know how to do an invoice or you know blah blah right. blah. Um, but you know, but it's a time when people will like turn their nose up at like illustration. I'm like, you know, I mean, I, I get your points in terms of like what what is art and what is, mm-hmm. but uh, but I think they're both valid. And I think to be to be an artist, you've got to embrace a lot of those, or you need to oh, hire I completely, those skills. I think that a lot of my proposals are expect accepted because I have very sexy proposals. They, I use what is called Avner. It's like a really nice Helvetica. I make it look like, hey, this is some art stuff. Please enjoy. So like, whereas in sometimes I'll see people's proposals, I'm like, dude, this looks like some sort of fucking, I don't know, did you get this shit at like a uh, uh, <laughs> Word, I, Microsoft Word fucking preset or some bullshit? So yeah, I do agree that if you're communicating with people from afar that could help your life, communicate to them with that like have a nicely elegantly designed and it's not hard because look at every museum it all looks the same it's a very helvetica like font clean bold boof yeah uh kerned what is kerning a little space between the letters right uh but i do agree with you so well i mean you know you always say that the streets of anywhere any city are lined with you know a lot of very talented artists musicians everything and like how do you stand out and make the rules and no one seems to like it but um, you know how do you stand out how do you and it's you have to be able to communicate or your art's just effing amazing but I mean the best art proposals too the writers all poets so if you find somebody that needs to write your artist statement like you got all these words thrown around that has pretty much ruined your brain from art school talk to a poet they'll be able to digest your abstract thinking into clear language you wouldn't think so but every poet that I've met, they have a good insight well, I, into I talking agree. about the abstract visual. I think the best thing that right? can also happen is to see a limit of like 150 words or 500. Oh, you know, like the, instead of pages and pages and pages of you need um, artists need to be honest. Make sure you could do a one sentence summary, and if you want to get fruitful with your language, save it for another page. But one sentence summary. Figure out what you're doing. Get rid of all. The what you want to convey, yeah. make sure you just pure, clean, which this is, is what which I'm doing. I still think is impossible. I don't know if I'll ever synthesize it. Let me help you, bro. While I'm, while I'm on the third. Oh, it's all about that. Hell yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it's certainly worth worth trying. I'm sensing some synergy here. <laughs> well, the juxtaposition <laughs> between... You know the no, so the other the other thing that I wanted to point out, both from that and from what we were discussing earlier, is that you can gain so much from 
these conversations with people that are outside of that bubble. Mm -hmm. And I have found, and it sounds like you have found it the same way, that these are the most rewarding because they open new lines for inquiry. Yeah. And and I'm across across social strata, everything. That, that those are the most rewarding. But I also I, I love having conversations like this because it's real and it's not adorned with all of the Oh yeah, and that's what I like too about listening to your podcast. I'm complimenting your podcast on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. But like it's like two people talking in a language that I understand and respect, but talking about real stuff in real ways. And then also how many of these have you listened to? Oh, never mind. I was like, actually, I shouldn't say that I know the whole portfolio. I would say it only gets better because, like, I listen to Philosophize This, which is a great podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, the first couple, you're like, okay, he's figuring it out, but this, there's something yeah. there. And then by, like, episode 50, you're like, this is perfect. He's got it down yeah. to the science. But even earlier, like, Hidden Brains, you're like, oh, this is kind of whack. I'm glad they got rid of this songwriter thing that they were doing. Uh-huh. But now they got it down to science. So I'm assuming that if you've gotten this far and I'm already interested at five, I will burn through the whole thing. <laughs> I, I really will. Like there's, I some, get, there's some great stuff. And, and at some point, who knows, maybe there's some kind of way to go through and make a reader out of it. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, well-designed reader. <laughs> it's a, in a lot of ways, it's a document of these discussions. And I was, we were talking earlier um, that you know, it wouldn't exist otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so you think, well, is it a podcast or is it a document? I don't know. I don't know what it is because now podcast has become such a. But but it, but the medium it serves a great purpose. Well, it's also a good excuse. A let's face it, to sit down and have a conversation because who, yes. who the hell really has the time? And what a luxury that like on a what's today Thursday, Wednesday Thursday. Uh, Whatever day it is, but in the middle of the afternoon to be able to kind of sit down and sit just, down and have a conversation. Uh, and we have done this otherwise. And are you guys familiar with Deleuze, the philosopher? Oh yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah. So like the concept that everything is kind of a gear or a function rather than a singular thing. Yeah. So when you add more to what this is, like a conversation is great because it has a thing, but this has got an additional function. It becomes a podcast that can be moved out somewhere else. And it also, like, we could be, we could start a band together, we could, I don't know, just be checking out museums or something, but we have a function, a purpose yes. for being here, and that allows us a twofold thing. We have something that goes to something else, it's a podcast, so it's documented and puts out there, which is kind of a documentation of your lives and time and mine as well. Uh, but also, we're having a conversation, and I can't speak for the both of you. I can only speak for myself. I'm fucking enjoying myself. So, oh hell yeah! You know, it, it, it's either this or like sit around at a restaurant and yeah. talk, which is fine too. Yes, but this has but more function. In, well, to be in this space and to see this. Oh, it's always a yeah. thrill to be in you know the, the artist space. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, this is time. great. I can't Fuck wait it. to see what Thanks you do next. Oh, oh golly, you're just uh, you're paid to say that. I'm not. You've made it this far, so please subscribe, give us a five-star review, and share with a friend. Brain Fuzz is available on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and elsewhere. Find show notes and links at brainfuzzpodcast.com.
Engage in the dialogue via Instagram at BrainFuzzPodcast or hashtag anywhere on social with BrainFuzzPodcast. AI support provided by Play.ht and Melabytes. Thanks to our listeners, our donors, patrons, partners, communities, supporters, and stakeholders everywhere. And now that you've brought up the rhizome, (laughs) (laughs) that for a while was also... 2014's calling. Oh my gosh, it would just...